Hi, mixtresses and mixters. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? A podcast about pop culture, mostly music, feminism, and long-rambling existential manifestas of madness from an autistic goth girl. Every episode of What's This Bitch Talking About? has a companion playlist, which can be found at the Spotify link in the description of the podcast episode. If you would like to experience the conglomeration of podcast and playlist, every Friday there's a radio show on MixtressRay.com called Mixtress Radio from 7 to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. You may also wish to follow me on the social medias. I am Mixtress Ray on most of the things. And you can also subscribe to my ASMR YouTube channel if you like the sound of my voice and you're into ASMR adjacent things. Please also like Mixtress Radio's Facebook page where I will post every time I post a new podcast episode, every time I make the playlist from the radio show public, and every time I'm airing the radio show, I also post events to the radio show and stuff like that. So let's get into it. What's this bitch talking about? Hello, mixtresses and mixters. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to Mixtress Radio and or the podcast, What's This Bitch Talking About? Um, so I have a few different things. Uh, I think I'm just gonna, like, front load the show with all of, uh, with a bunch of crap. And then the rest of the time you're gonna hear me, um, complaining about my ailments. And, um, starting my Buffy project. So I'm really excited today. I will be bringing you the first episode of many, many episodes I should know how many episodes there are of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think there's 144. That's the number that's in my brain that just popped up, but I might be wrong. But I think that's right. That sounds about right. I don't know. Anyway, not quite. Wouldn't be. Well, I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) So I'm just going to give you a little preview of what you're going to hear tonight, whether you're listening to the podcast or the radio show. You're going to hear me tell you the really long version of the story of my root canal that I had on Wednesday. Um, You're going to hear um, the first episode of my Buffy project, which if you don't know, I am watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after it aired. Not as in time of day exact, but on the day, because um, it's going to be way too hard to schedule if I watch it at the time that it aired. Um, Mostly because it's going to fall on a Friday. At least for this first year, it's going to fall on a Friday. And um, so that's going to be... I really wouldn't be able to watch it at the exact time that it aired because that would make it interfere with the radio show and I'm not doing that. So, And just to make it easier to schedule any guests that I have, any guest DJs that want to come and watch Buffy with me at my house, if you are interested in that, let me know if you're one of my friends. I mean, if you're not somebody that I already know, I'm not quite at the point yet where I invite people I don't know over to my house to watch Buffy with them. I may get there. I may get there eventually. You know, good collaborations can be had that way. 
but I'm not there yet. So if you are friends with me in my regular life um, and you want to watch an episode of Buffy with me, let me know if you have a specific episode you want to watch with me or if you just want to watch with me at some point. Um, probably not going to have, like I said before, more than one or two guests at a time to do this project, but I'm really excited to bring you the debut of that project this week. And um, I also would like to ask you guys to sort of bear with me. I had hoped that I would have some time this week to sort of nail down a structure for my Buffy segments so that it's, you know, so I'll have like different things that I talk about every single time, like a framework, you know, a structure. I wanted to have a structure nailed down, but because my root canal didn't go as expected, which you'll hear all the details about that later, um, it meant that most of the day Wednesday and Thursday I was just a lump of healing and that's all I was. I did not exist as a human being in any capacity except for a lump of healing. So that um, kind of threw me behind a little bit. So just be patient with me. My Buffy segments hopefully will emerge victorious after the first few weeks of me feeling it out as being um, an entertaining segment for the podcast, um, I hope, I hope, uh, like I want to have a title for it and I want to have, you know, like I said, structure. I want it to be cool, but um, the first few weeks it might not be. It'll just be me being all over the place like I always am, but whatever, that's fine. I just got to be okay with that because today's the day, March 10th, 2017 is 20 years after the first two episodes aired, um, and I'm very excited to bring you that segment starting this week. I want to give a little bit of an update, because um, you're going to hear... How do I want to do that? You're going to hear my big long story about the root canal. However, whenever I recorded the big long story about the root canal... It was only like a couple hours after I got home from the experience. So what had happened since then was I started swelling up again. I didn't notice it until like an hour or two before bed on Wednesday night. Um, so I definitely hadn't noticed it yet and it possibly hadn't started yet whenever um, you hear my big long segment about the root canal. But there's more to the story and so I feel like I should tell you guys because you care, right? I don't know. I hate, like, I don't want to be just like sitting around complaining about my ailments, but, um, I have to share the experience because that's who I am. That's how I process things. I have to share my experiences. So by the time I went to bed on Wednesday night, my lip had started swelling up again and I was terrified that I was going to swell to the extent that I did the first time. And I didn't know what the deal was with the swelling. And I, I like went to find my paperwork, you know, the paperwork that they give you after you have a certain like procedure done at the dentist. And I read the line that terrified the shit out of me, which was, if any swelling occurs, call your dentist immediately. So I was not about to bother my dentist at midnight because that was when I read that piece of information. I think it was like 1130 or something. But that particular statement served to terrify the shit out of me. I didn't tell Michael that I read that because I knew that he would make a huge deal out of it. And I don't, I don't like huge deals being made out of things, which could 
end up, I mean, like I said before, this is a coping mechanism that I have. I pretend that things are not terrible, even if they are. I pretend that things are not happening, even when they are. And sometimes that has benefited me in coping with situations, and sometimes it does the opposite, as you can imagine. So I couldn't sleep because I was terrified. Because, you know, it didn't say what it was. You know, it didn't say, it didn't give you any possible explanations for why you could be swelling and why you need to call immediately. And that's my biggest pet peeve with the world is not, is people withholding information. That's my biggest pet peeve in this world. That and those jeans. Okay, I only have one thing about fashion that I think is a no, no matter who you are. That said, if you are a person that enjoys this particular item of clothing, go for it. Don't listen to me. What kind of fucking authority on fashion fashion am I? None. None at all. But there's one piece of fashion that annoys the shit out of me. No matter what, no matter how who you are, how old you are, gender, nothing. No matter what, I think it is reprehensible for you to wear those jeans with all the bedazzling on the ass pockets. I can't deal. I cannot deal with that. I do not understand why you need a ton of stitching and bedazzling on your ass pockets. And I'm not a person that ever says no to bedazzling, but for some reason, those fucking jeans infuriate the hell out of me. I don't know why. They just do. Okay. That being said, so I have two pet peeves in life. One, bedazzling on your ass in the form of jeans. Like if it's bedazzling on your ass in some other capacity of, um, pants wear, fine, but not jeans. You know, you know what I'm saying? Where they've got that like deep V of like white stitching and like studs and shit. Or like sequ I don't even think they're sequins. I think it, ugh, I don't know. Anyway, it's like the tap out version of jeans. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Anyway, I have two pet peeves in life: bedazzled ass jeans and people that withhold information. So, um. Anyway, so just the fact that I didn't know what possible explanation there is for my lips swelling again. I was terrified that what happened like three weeks ago was going to happen again, that I was going to wake up the next morning and my whole face was going to be swollen and I was going to be miserable again, like happened three weeks ago. I was so terrified that I could not sleep. It was an awful night at exactly 7.01 because my dentist opens at 7 a.m. I called and talked to my doctor and he was real chill about it. He was just like, well, this doesn't happen often, but sometimes it happens that, you know, the infection, because apparently you still have an abscess. Like I had an abscess tooth. That was what started this whole thing. And I had to take antibiotics to clear the infection. And then they did a root canal. So apparently, even though the infection was cleared, the abscess still exists until that dead tissue is taken out. So now that the dead tissue is taken out, the abscess can start the healing process. But sometimes, like the trauma of getting a root canal, and this particular root canal was especially traumatic, as you will hear me talk about later. It was just, by the end of it, I was just... Those of you that have had tattoos that haven't had extensive dental work, 
there's a comparison to be made here because I was sitting there for so long and it wasn't even that long. It was like a two hour operation, but I wasn't under laughing gas or anything like that. It was just painkiller. So I was fully aware of every single thing that was going on. And at the end of this two hour period, I was just so done. You know, like when you're getting a tattoo and like in the first, you know, the first few hours, the first couple hours, some, somewhere around there, it's fine because your, your adrenaline has kicked in. You're excited about your new tattoo. You can deal with the pain because it's sort of a constant pain, but then somewhere around hour two, hour three, hour four, some, at some point you just become done where everything is hypersensitive. Your adrenaline has worn off and you just cannot sit still anymore. And you're just fucking done with this shit. That's how I felt at the end of this root canal. I was just, I knew that like the extra amount of shit that had to be done because the root canal didn't go as planned. You'll hear all about that later. Just was extra trauma, extra physical trauma to my mouth. So I should have known. <sighs> I should have known. So apparently the infection can sometimes come back whenever that, whenever you know, tra trauma is reintroduced when the abscess has not had time to heal yet. So that's all it was. So I just have to go through another week of antibiotics. And so not a big traumatic thing. It, it just felt really traumatic because I didn't know why I was swelling. And I thought that my problem was still there. And I thought I was going to have to go through all that again. It did not swell as much this time at all. Um, it was mostly just my lip that swelled. Um, whereas last time it was my lip and it was my cheek and it was the side of my nose and it was everything. Um, and it was miserable, but this time just my lip and it's already gone down. Like this is about, I'm saying this on Friday afternoon. So, and the swelling started probably sometime late Wednesday afternoon, even though I didn't admit it to myself until late Wednesday evening. Um, anyway, so it's less than 48 hours later and the swelling is almost completely gone. Like probably by this time tomorrow, it will be almost, it'll be probably back to normal. So that was like, you know, a simple thing. I'm just on, I'm on antibiotics, whatever, I'm dealing with it. But this is now going to be a process that is not over. I have more excitements to come with that whole situation. Again, you'll hear all about that later. Um, so all of that is just to say that the radio show slash podcasts did not, I did not have as much time to prepare for it this week as I normally would. And it may not be as good as it normally is. So I apologize for that. All of that, let's just put that behind me. There's another thing, like I wanted to give a little bit of an update. Like last week, I was complaining a lot about finances and shit like that. And I just wanted to say that I feel like I've had a come to Jesus moment with this whole financial situation. Like, because I spent so much time last week just sitting down, like really like itemizing all of my bills, all of my income, exactly what what my situation is, finding out just the simple fact that the $2,600 that I owe on my credit card, I will be paying $3,600 
by the time I pay it off with the fact that I can pay about $100 towards it every month. After three years, I'll pay it off, but I will have paid $1,000 more. And this is a very basic tenet of financial knowledge. This is something that like, I knew, but I never really knew it was that bad. I never really, like, I don't really think about it in those terms, you know? Like, when I go to buy, like, a $100 pair of, he- $100 pair of headphones, I, with a credit card, I don't really think to myself, well, shit, by the time I pay for these headphones, I will have paid $200 for these headphones. I don't think about that. But that's the reality, and I really had a come-to-Jesus moment last week where I sat down and I really got real with myself about my own culpability in my financial process, my financial life, my financial sadness, and I'm really, I think I'm ready to take responsibility for the parts of it that are my fault, and I'm ready to move on, and I'm ready to just get real, (laughs) Um, and I'm ready to reconcile, like I said last week, I I have this thing where like every time I want something, I feel like I deserve it. And I just realized there is a difference between deserving something that you want, which I will always feel that I deserve the things that I want in this life. I don't want a whole lot of things. I mean, I'm a little bit more materially oriented than what I can afford to have, But there's a difference between feeling like you deserve something and being able to get real with yourself about how you're going to acquire that thing. Just because I feel like I deserve something does not mean that I need to get it immediately. You know? Simple financial shit. Okay? So I'm coming to realizations that other people have come to 20 years ago. You know? I'm behind. All right? And I think a lot of bad financial habits started for me after the tornado because it was sort of from like the very beginning, from like the immediate weeks after the tornado, it was like you were in, we were in survival mode, you know? And it was like every single thing was so hard that it, it, I started comforting myself by buying things because that was something that I could do. That was something that I could control. And we had to buy a lot of things after the tornado. We had to replace our lives, essentially. So we just sort of got in the habit of acquiring so many things so quickly that I didn't ever really come back out of that. And I start, that was around the time that I started becoming like obsessed with Apple products and different like technologies like that. And you know, it's, it's really gotten me into trouble because I can't afford all these expensive things all the time. I can't. And I need to be real with myself about that. Like, it doesn't mean that I don't get to have these things, but it means that I have to take longer to save up for these things. It's going to be worth it more to me if I pay for a $200 thing that I want, if I've actually saved up for it, you know? Real talk, you know, I've had some real talk come to Jesus moments with my financial situation, with myself, and I feel like I'm at a better place, and I'm going to be more realistic, and I'm going to be better at anticipating my own needs. Like, I did a thing, I'm kind of proud of myself for this, I signed up for a PayPal credit card because 
apparently any purchases you make on it that are over $99, you have six months to pay them off interest-free. So that could potentially be a really good solution for me whenever I decide that I want something, I decide I want a thing that costs $200 and I want it right the fuck now, I can actually get it right the fuck now. As long as I sit down with myself, write it all down and be like, okay, take the total of this item divided by six. Can I pay it off as a monthly payment for the next, over the next six months? If I can, great. I get to have the thing. If I can't, then I got to save up whatever amount of that towards that thing before I actually charge it, you know? And I think that's going to be a great solution for me because I don't think I'm ever going to necessarily be a person that deprives myself of a thing that I want for six months while I save up for it. I may never be that person. But if I'm a person that can pay it off in six months and has decided that it's worth it to me to spend six months paying for a thing that I want, it'll make me evaluate things so much better because... I mean, the reality of charging a thing to a credit card means you might be paying for a thing for six months or a year, (laughs) but you're paying for it times, you know, two with a credit card. Anyway, anyway, these are all basic ass shit that people should know that I'm just now coming to terms with. But, um, I did sort of, I also sat down and I made like a list of ways that I could try to make more money. And I had a couple of ideas Um, Let me know what you guys think. Um, What do you guys think about merchandise? So like Mixtress Radio and or What's This Bitch Talking About merchandise. I'm thinking buttons. I'm thinking mugs. I'm thinking t-shirts. All of these things I'm not ready to do just yet. I need to save up a little bit so that I can buy some button supplies. I have a button maker, but I don't have any of the like components to make the buttons. Um, So I need to do that. And so I need to kind of gauge you guys' interest. Would you buy a button if there was a button? Let me know. Um, and then eventually I'd have to I'd have to look into like companies that manufacture things like mugs and t-shirts and they need to create some kind of logo and shit like that. So um, let me know if you guys would be interested in that. I don't know. Like what's this bitch talking about sweatshirts? I don't know. Um, Let me know what you think about that. Um, But I have another idea that I can implement right now. So I'm going to tell you guys that. So I'm stealing this idea from Throwing Shades podcast. Although I'm charging a lot less than they do. (laughs) So what they do is they charge $100 for a personal message. Like if somebody wants to like give a happy birthday to somebody else. Whatever. Um. And $200 for a business message. So if they want to promote their business um, and have it done through Throwing Shades podcast. What I'm going to do is $5 for a personal message and $10 for a business message. And I know I have many talented friends that have their own, you know, they crochet stuff. They make soap. They do all these cool different things. Like my mom does necklaces and shit, although she does not need to pay me to promote rocks on a string. Okay do that for free. She's my mom. (laughs) But, um, so if you guys have, you know, like a business that you do that you want me to promote on the radio show slash slash podcast to drum up some business for you, send me 10 bucks on PayPal and I'll do that for you. Or if you want to dedicate a song to a friend on the radio show 
for their birthday or whatever. Whatever kind of cheesy personal message you want to be conveyed from you through me. Five bucks on PayPal. So if you want to take advantage of that, paypal.me slash Ray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. And so those are just a few of the ideas that I have. I'm just going to throw them out there because I don't know how they're going to work. But um, I can't just sit around and whine about not having any money and not do anything about it. You know, you got to give people something. Just saying like, hey, if you guys like my podcast, send me some money. That'd be great. Sure. But, you know, I would be much more likely to donate money to someone if I knew I was going to get a button or a mug or whatever. If I was getting something out of it. That's just the nature of the world. You're getting an extra thing out of these things. And the exciting part about once I save up enough, and it's probably not even that much. Like, I probably just need to save up like 20 bucks or so to get button making supplies. You know, maybe 30 bucks. Something like that. So when I get to that point, should just be a couple weeks before I can, I can get that together. When I make the buttons, just saying, just drumming that up, they're going to be handmade. They're going to be one of a kind. They're going to be pretty awesome. So, and personalized as well. So once we get to a point where I'm ready to sell buttons, you can be like, okay, I want a what's this bitch talking about button. And my favorite thing is cats. And then I will find some cheesy cat picture or I will draw some cheesy cat picture and I will put what's this bitch talking about on the, on the button. And yeah, it's going to be special. It's going to be special and cool. So, um, let me know if you want to take advantage of a personal message for five bucks or a business message for 10 on PayPal. Easy as that. Um, so that's the thing. I guess that's it. I guess that's it for my intro. Um, So you're going to hear me talk about my ailments tonight, and you're going to hear me talk about Buffy, and the album of the night is the, we are celebrating the 20-year anniversary of Morphine's Like Swimming, which came out Saturday, it came out 20 years ago Saturday. So, um, it's hard to describe Morphine. They're like, um, I don't know, there's a lot of saxophone, but it's sad saxophone, but it's also sort of jaunty saxophone. It's like jaunty, sad saxophone. And, but the band, they're very alternative. So it's hard to describe morphine. I do. There's not really another band that I've heard that's like them. Um, so I'm excited to play like swimming tonight. It's an album that I have not listened to that many times in the last 10 years or so. So it's going to almost feel nostalgic just to listen to it with you guys tonight. So I'm excited about that. So that's what's going to happen tonight. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's start with 30 minutes of dancing. Um, I'm going to do more, more of like a groove tonight, more of like a slow dance, more of like a healing from a root canal, low key type dancing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) because it will be the first time that I've danced since last Friday, which has been the case lately, even though my goal is to do it every day that I don't work at least six hours. It has been more just like I do it during the radio show and that's it. Um, I'm trying to forgive myself about that because I am really just the type of person that when I'm, when I'm dealing with something, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze, I am always freeze. And 
when I'm healing from something, I just take off work, I hang out at home, and I recover. You know, I heal. I I do nothing. I just go into a hibernating stage and heal. And that's just what I do. Um, so I have to be okay with that and get back on track. Um, but man, the first few months of this year have just been pretty difficult, I'd say. Not quite the most fun. <laughs> Which is the opposite of how I felt on January 1st. On January 1st, I felt so hopeful, more hopeful than I've ever felt. Like, ever. So, apparently, I needed to drum up that kind of energy in order to deal with the next few months. And it's not even that big of a deal, okay? I'm being so dramatic about the fact that, you know, my mortgage just went up and I'm having a tooth problem. <laughs> like, get a grip, okay? It's okay to tell me that if you want. Let's dance. Hello. It's time for What's Up With Mixtress? So I had my root canal today. Um, if you haven't been keeping track, um, what ha- happened was I had an abscessed tooth a few weeks ago. My face swelled up and it was the most pain that I've ever had to deal with in my life. And so they scheduled a root canal. So the plan was to get a root canal today and a temporary put on and then in a couple of weeks get a crown put on it. Um, so that would have been a pretty simple, straightforward procedure. But I went today, um, National Women's International Women's Day, to get the root canal. And it did not go as planned. Um, I can't decide if I want to tell you guys the entire story. I do, because I like details. I'm a detail-oriented person, so I do want to tell you the entire story. Okay, here's what happened. What ha- happened was. So I was um, laying there during the procedure. It was like, I don't know, an hour in, something like that. And I noticed that um, I had my headphones in, which I wasn't, I was listening to a very low volume of ambient music, so I could still kind of hear what was going on. But I noticed that they were like, sort of not doing anything. They were taking x-rays and looking a lot at the monitors with the x-rays. And Um, finally I was like, um, what's going on? (laughs) Cause I could tell something was not going smoothly. Um, it turns out their theory is that since the accident that caused this issue and all of my other front tooth issues that I've had in my life, many root canals, tooth implants, blah, 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 was all centered around an accident with a skateboard back in second grade. His theory is that my roots never, the roots of my two front teeth were never able to fully form. Like apparently whenever you get older, the roots kind of close off into a sort of a defined point and mine didn't do that. So, and it was hard to tell that that was what was going on in the x-ray. So he was, didn't know until he did the root canal when he was trying to like measure while putting the stent in, which the stent is like a piece of like a long, like a long, thin piece of rubber, I guess, that's supposed to stabilize the tooth when you get a root canal. Because root canals, basically, they just hollow out your tooth. And then they put this little rubber stent in 
to stabilize it and then they fill that in with some other goop I guess and apparently while they were trying to measure like how much how long of a stint I needed which apparently they do that by just sticking it up there and waiting for it to stop and it was never stopping because my root was is like not totally closed off or it's much wider and deeper than it should be or something and in that process of him trying to figure out like putting all these different stents in trying to find the one that was the right length a little piece of the tip of one of the stents broke off and went kind of past my root I guess somehow (laughs) because my root wasn't completely closed off like it should have been And he said that it never happened before and he spent a bunch of time trying to get that little fragment out because basically I just have a little fragment of rubber up like floating around in my gums. (laughs) (coughs) And so he had to kind of, we, I had nervous pee. I always have nervous pee. So like I got up to go pee at some point and he sat me down. He had went and had like a conversation. He'd like called up and like a super expert root canal dude, root canalologist. I know that's not what they're called, but whatever. And consulted with him and he was like, okay, we have a few different options. We can go ahead, continue as planned, finish the root canal, but It's possible that this little piece of rubber is going to cause you problems in a year, two years, five years, maybe never. I don't know. Um, And then if, if it causes problems, then essentially I would have to get the tooth taken out and get an implant, which is a long, expensive process. He said, and and that would be a long, expensive process on top of the, you know, $2,500 that it cost me for the root canal today. He said, or we could go ahead and, and he said, and it's quite possible because your root never fully formed, um, that getting a root canal would cause you, would be more likely to cause you problems anyway, even if this rubber shit didn't happen. Or we could go ahead and just do an implant. And he's basically, and I'm just like, of course, I'm like, uh, how much is that going to cost? Because I remembered it as being something when I had the implant on my other front tooth, I remembered it as being something that cost like five or $6,000. But he said it would be like about 3500 4000 something like that. So less than I thought it was. Um, but I was like, okay. And I really just like could not decide because... I can't pay for that. I know I can't pay for that, but an implant would be a permanent solution. And I definitely can't pay for finishing a root canal and then maybe in a few years needing to go ahead and get an implant anyway. It's possible that before I even finish paying off this root canal, anyway, whatever. So, um, I just was kind of shell shocked and I didn't really know what to do. And he's like, well, no matter what, We've got to fill this back in because they'd already like hollowed out my tooth and filed it down to a nub anyway. It was like, well, we're going to have to like fill this back in, put a temporary on today, no matter what. So let's just go ahead and do that and you'll have time to figure out what you want to do. 
So I was like, okay, sure. That's great. So he closes me up and I get the temporary tooth put on, which looks okay. It's not bad. It's actually not bad at all. Like it looks better than my other tooth did kind of because my other tooth was very discolored um, because of it was severely chipped whenever I knocked whenever I knocked the other one out back in second grade. So they filled it in and the part that was filled in was like really like coffee stained, like dark. And it it just hasn't looked very attractive in a long time. He also said that like the abscess was so bad that he's, he, he was like, I bet this has been a problem for a really long time. (laughs) And I'm like, yep. I have been ignoring intermittent pains in my gums for years, for like a decade. I didn't say that part, but I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Anyway, so I go out and they do the whole thing that dentists do where they bring... They're really nice at my dentist, though. Like, in the past, I've kind of had an issue with this particular dentist. And even though he fucked up today which sucks and means that I have to have more extensive treatment done, possibly, (laughs) probably. I, the way that he handled the situation really endeared me to him today. Um, He was just very upfront with me, letting me know exactly what my options are, um, explaining things to me. I really like it when doctors explain things to you. He didn't, he doesn't talk to me like I'm stupid. He tells me exactly what's going on. Like when I like sat up, cause I started like the, the x-ray, the monitors for the x-rays were behind my head. And in the middle of the procedure, whenever I noticed that something weird was going on, I kept like leaning back to like, look at what they were looking at. And whenever I was like, Hey, what's going on? He, like, actually told me, like, this is what happened. I'm fucked up. He didn't say I fucked up, but, you know. And he was, you know, he was frustrated with himself, but he wasn't, like, losing his temper or losing his shit or anything. And he was just very upfront with me about everything. And I really, I really respect that when people are like that. That is what I want in any medical professional. I want someone that tells me what the fuck is going on, assuming that I'm going to understand it. Without, I mean, not like, obviously, he's not going to use all of the terminology that he knows. He's going to dumb it down for me, at at least enough for me to understand it, but not in a patronizing way. And I really, I really respect that. So um, that was good. And then, okay, so I go out there and (laughs) the chick comes around to show me like what my bill would be if I choose to do the implant. And it said like $1,700 would be the difference or would be what I would still owe. And then she said, she said something about there being a $221 difference. And I, I was really confused. And I was like, do you mean like for my payments? Because I knew that my payments for paying this procedure off were going to be like around $100 a month with what I had already done. And I'm like, you mean like my payments will be $220 more? And she said, no, you have a credit from today. Since we didn't do today what we thought we were going to do, you have a credit. After that credit is applied, if you decide to do the implant, there will be a difference of $221. And I was just so fucking confused because I knew that an implant costs four or $5,000. 
uh, what? Apparently, and then, you know, it showed the itemized, like, visit one, this is how much this will cost, visit two, because it's a procedure that takes, like, a year to complete, because they have to do a thing, wait for it to heal for a few months, do another thing, wait for that to heal for a few months, and then they finally install the final thing, which is what I was hoping I wouldn't have to go through with this tooth. Anyway, long story still long. (laughs) He decided that since he fucked up, he was going to do the implant for free. So there's the $221 is a difference be probably because the type of temporary tooth that I have to have will cost more because it'll have to be like a tooth on a retainer because I'll have to have that for months um, during the process of healing. So if I choose to do the implant, which is a permanent solution, and I already have one and it's great, it's basically like a regular tooth and I'll be able to use it like a regular tooth. Whereas if I got just a crown, um, Things could fuck up later in life because of this damn piece of rubber because he said that once he took the tooth out, if he was doing the implant, they would be taking my current tooth out, of course. They would definitely be able to get that little piece of rubber out because it would just be up in my gums or whatever. So essentially, I could get, you know, a procedure that should have cost me $4,000 for what I paid today plus a couple hundred more. Which is a savings of like $1,600, I think, is what she said. And I was just like, I made her repeat it several times. I was like, are you serious? For real? If I get a fucking implant, it's going to be $200 more than what I paid today. Seriously? She's like, yes. Because it always takes me forever to comprehend that shit. Whenever people are coming at me with a bunch of information, it takes me a long time. And they're very understanding of it. They were very understanding of it. So it's most likely what I'm going to do. I mean, it would be stupid of me to go ahead with this root canal and crown process that's going to cost me $200 less. It would be stupid. It would be completely stupid. He has offered to fix his mistake and make it much better. So that is pretty great. And I'm actually like, I'm pretty happy about it. I mean, it's, it completely cancels out, you know, like any sadness that I would have thinking, well, fuck. I mean, I was potentially going to have to come home and like really sit down and think about how am I going to pay for this? What am I going to do? Because most likely I would have made the decision to do the implant anyway because I want a permanent solution and I don't want a piece of stray rubber floating around in my nostril cavity area, (laughs) which is essentially where that root is. I don't want that. So I probably would have made that decision, but it would have been very difficult because I don't know how I would have paid for it. It would have been a thing. It would have been a sad, sad day. But instead, it's not a sad day because that made the decision completely easy for me. And it's amazing. And I'll be able to pay it off. I mean, it might take me like two and a half years or so. Which sucks, but I already knew that that was the situation that I was under for this whole thing. And... 
so that I'm no worse for wear, financially speaking, even though this is a process. Though. And it's something that, like, I've actually thought about. I mean, he gave me the choice in the beginning, like, when I ha- went in for the abscess tooth. He's like, well, we can do an implant that'll last you the rest of your life. Of course, that's what he wants to do. Or the root canal process takes only a few weeks for that process to be over. And most likely it would have lasted the rest of my life. Most likely. I mean, he said 20 to 30 years, but dentists always say that shit because they have to like grossly underestimate. (laughs) They just have to, just in case something terrible happens. But more than likely that would have been fine. But now it, I mean, so I, now it definitely will be. And I'll be able to bite into apples again and shit. So even though it's a time consuming process and I've already gone through it and I don't want to have to go through it again, I am probably going to because it's the smartest decision and I'm essentially going to be getting an implant for free. I mean, it's still it's costing me 2500 bucks for this whole nightmare, but <laughs> that's 2500 instead of 4000 so that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I'm quite happy about that. So, but it was kind of an agonizing day <laughs> because my appointment was at nine o'clock. They were running late anyway, so they didn't really get started with the procedure until about 10. And I didn't get out of there till like 12.15 or so, which doesn't sound that bad, only two hours, but... Man, I was so sore and just, like, sick of people's hands up in my mouth and shit. And, like, I'm still very sore. Like, I came home and immediately took ibuprofen and half a hydrocodone because I still had hydrocodone left over from when I was dealing with the abscess. But I do have this really good feeling about it, I guess, um... I also, because I am a princess in the pea kind of oversensitive bitch, I, in my mind, think I can feel that little piece of rubber. <laughs> I feel like I can feel it. I probably can't fucking feel it. It's a tiny, tiny little, like, two millimeter thing, you know? It's it's nothing. And it's probably one of those things that, like, would never actually bother me anyway. But, I mean... 200 extra dollars to get an implant. I'm going to do that because it means that I will be safeguarding myself against future procedures on this tooth the rest of my life. I really love my other implant. You know, it was a painful process and it cost a lot of money, but it is a legit tooth pretty much. Like it's as strong as a tooth, probably stronger, most likely stronger. It, it's great. It's smooth. It looks beautiful. It's never going to become discolored. It's going to be great. So when this whole process is over, I will have my front teeth, my two most important teeth, I guess, at least aesthetically, will be excellent and they will forever be excellent. And I'll get to have more dead people put into my mouth, which is always fun to talk about, right? (laughs) Because they have to do a bone graft if they're going to get me ready for another implant, which means more dead people in my mouth. So that's, that's fun. Anyway, um, 
I just wanted to give an update because, you know, I have to talk about these things. That's how I am. So if you ever find yourself um, in a situation where you are thinking about getting a tooth implant, I can give you some stories. Um, It's time consuming. It's expensive. It's completely worth it if, if it's like a front tooth. I mean, I don't think there isn't any other tooth in my head that I would do this extensive of a process with. But if it is one of your front teeth, I can understand. I mean, you don't want to be walking around without front teeth if you can avoid it. So I am lucky that I am in a position where I caught a break. I mean, doctor made a mistake and I caught a break. So that is pretty cool. It is a little off-putting that it will possibly be, you know, like a month, maybe more that I have this little fragment of rubber in my head, but that's probably preferable to, you know, all the infection and abscess bullshit that I've had before. And apparently like the whole thing with an abscess, this fucking freaked me out, is that, um, it's, it's basically like an infection that has spread to the to other parts of your body. So it's basically, it eats away at bone. So like I've had some bone loss in my skull because of this abscess, which I totally believe for a while now. And I don't know if this is connected. I could be being paranoid, but for a while now, like it usually happens when I put on makeup some of this, I think, has to do with, like, allergies and stuff like that. But, because it happens at certain times of the year more often than others. Like, it's happening a lot right now. That's why I'm not wearing much makeup lately, because I just can't, because I have an allergic reaction. And it's always my right eye and my right nostril, which is where that tooth is. So, did the abscess kind of eat away at some bone and make me more sensitive to sinus issues? I mean, in... I don't know. I don't know. But now that all the dead tissue is out of there, the abscess can heal. And the bone, she said, sometimes they won't regenerate, but usually they will. So hopefully everything will regenerate and I will be 100% again. And I will be able to put on makeup without my right eye and my right nostril watering all to hell. That would be awesome. And... I don't know. I'm, I just, I feel, I feel very hopeful and I am grateful that, you know, a motherfucker took responsibility and is giving me a free implant because that was nothing for him. You know, it was nothing for him to be like, you know what? I fucked up. I'm going to, I'm not going to charge her for this because I kept, I was very worried about the finances and I was asking a lot of questions like, so many questions about like what things will cost and like, you know, and I was kind of conveying, God, I would love to do an implant, but I just don't know if I can afford that. And, you know, I don't have dental insurance. I'm kind of broke. Like I didn't complain about it to the extent that you guys hear me complaining all the time about my finances. I just point blank said, you know, I'm kind of a poor person. I don't have dental insurance. I would love to have an implant, but I need to know like, 
how much of difference this is going to be. Like I was asking, okay, what if I do this? How much is that? What if I do this? How much is that? You know, like I was very specific about all of my financial questions. And I think he just took pity on me and was like, you know what? I fucked up. I'm going to give her a free implant. She deserves that. And that was cool. That was cool. That was a legit cool thing for a person to do. And I'm very grateful. And I just, I feel good about humanity today at the moment. This is a dentist who I've told you guys before. I just have never really liked him that much. Like, I don't think he's incompetent or anything, but I found his like bedside manner to be lacking and blah, blah, blah. However, like I said before, he's got a freaking bevy of women that work around him, like way more people than need to be employed in that one dentist's office he has surrounding him. And they're the same women that have been there since I started going there. So I'm assuming that he doesn't need to hire all of those people, but he decided to give jobs to everyone that he could. And they obviously can deal with him enough. He must be good enough to them that they stick around and he doesn't have turnover at his office. So, you know, in the past I've comforted myself with those facts, but today when something actually went down and he was, you know, treated me like a human, gave me my options and didn't, he didn't try to make me feel guilty about anything. Like, I really had to push him to be like, well, what would you do in this situation? Like he, I, I understand that Dennis would normally push the implant option because that is something that costs a lot more. That is something that they can guarantee is going to last you your whole life. Of course, they're going to want you to do that. But he was honestly trying to give me all of the information so that I could make my own decision. And that in my book is pretty cool. So. Anyway, I've talked way too much about this, but it's just one of those things. So for the next possibly year of my life, I'm going to be in the process of this. You know, I have to go get fitted for everything, then come back, get the screw installed, which I call it a screw, but because that's what it looks like. So they have to do a bone graft. Sometimes they can do a bone graft and like the screw at the same time. But the way that I had to do my last implant, those were two separate things that I had to wait months in between to do. And it's possible I won't have to do that, but it's possible I will. So if they can do it at the same time, groovy, that would be amazing because that would cut several months off of the timeline of this being a finished thing. But more than likely, it's going to be a process that, I mean, it'll at least be like six months before it's done, but... But I think it's only like only in actuality, like three or four different visits that, you know, aren't going to probably even last as long as this stupid root canal did. But um, because it's possible they can take the tooth out, put in the dead people bone and the screw all in the same visit. And if that happens, that's going to be the big one. You know, they're going to do that and then. And it's really funny when it's healing, too, because you can feel it. Like, the little metal screw thing is sticking out of your gums just a little tiny bit. So you can feel it. (laughs) And then you just have to let it heal like that for a few months. So it's possible they can do all that shit in one go, let it heal for a few months, and then 
put the thing on. So, I mean, it's possible it could be something that, you know, by Christmas I have a new tooth. It's perfectly cool and legit. And yeah. So that's my experience for today. And I just immediately went home and I've just been laying on the couch watching Bones. That's what I do. That's what I do. I'm almost caught up. I've been watching so much Bones in the last few weeks while I've been healing from these tooth situations. I'm trying to think how much. I think I've watched like two seasons at this point. And that's a like a 45 minute show with like 22 episodes per season. So that's pretty, it's pretty serious right there. Anyway, um, you guys probably don't care about all these details, but that's how I am. I'm detail oriented. So, um, cool though. I mean, I feel good. I feel good about humanity today. I mean, a person like a dentist is usually a person that I don't feel like I'm anywhere on the same level as, you know, like a dentist is a person that makes a lot of money and doesn't understand, you know, typically doesn't understand the struggle of the poor folk like myself. And I don't know, I just feel good about it. And I feel like I've broken the seal of going back to the dentist. Unfortunately, it had to be like a situation like this, but I feel like it's done now. And I will at least find a way now that I have a care credit card. Um, I'll be able to like charge like regular cleanings to it as well. And it's just, you know, which is nice. So I'm going to start going back for cleanings at least once a year. And I know I have at least a couple of cavities. So I'll have to deal with that. But hopefully it'll just be like a few cavities. I'll deal with that situation and move on with my life. Um, so yeah. So yeah. That's it. That's my tooth story. How have you guys been? I think that's really the only thing that's happened to me this week. I worked the beginning of the week. I um, will have my cleaning job tomorrow. I work on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, everything's pretty pretty non-dramatic for the most part. Um, yeah. Okay. Bye. It's time. Vampires and Slayers, it is time for Buffy Rewatch. So, today is Happy Buffy Day, everyone. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, my favorite television show show of all time, premiered 20 years ago today. And that premiere included two episodes, so it was essentially an hour and a half. Well, I mean, two, two hours with commercials. Um, two hours of Buffy premiered on this day 20 years ago. Um, so you, if you guys want to follow along, Buffy is available on both Hulu and Netflix. Um, also like Amazon, all that stuff. So it's basically available everywhere. There's also the, um, the DVDs are at the library if you live in my town. Um, so you can follow along if you would like. Um, there will be spoilers when I'm recapping the Buffy show. So basically, if you want to watch this and then hear the discussion about it later, um, every Friday is basically when it's going to air. There will be exceptions, of course, because I am watching every episode 20 years after it aired. So sometimes that means that something aired on a weird day or... 
it, there was a hiatus or there's even going to be a situation where I watch an episode out of order because it was aired out of order. So it's going to include some quirks, but generally for this first year, it's going to be every Friday. So if you want to play along, um, watch, pause this podcast, watch the first two episodes of Buffy and come back and we'll talk about it. Um, so I don't know exactly how I'm going to structure this whole thing yet, but I have a few ideas. I did a Buffy rewatching project back in like about five years ago where I rewatched every episode and did blogs about each one. And so it's possible I will read you guys some of my blogs that I wrote um, five years ago. Or you can also go check them out anytime you want. Just go to MixtressRay.com and type into like the search within the blog. Just type in the title of any Buffy episode and it will pop up with my um, recap of it. So... First, I want to tell you how important Buffy is to me. Let's just go ahead and introduce that. Y'all know that I'm obsessed with Buffy. Here's the thing. I have three pop culture soulmates. One of them is a fictional character. One of them is a human. And one of them is a combination between the two. The one that is um, the com a combination between human and character is Katya Zamolajikova. Zamolajikova. <laughs> I'm not saying that right. Um, and she's a drag queen. So her real name is Brian something or other. But we're the same age. We have a bunch of things in common. I can't remember all of them right now. Plus, this isn't about Katya. So whatever. But I think she is one of my soulmates, the human Katya um, that is also a drag queen. Um, the human being that is my soulmate is my musical soulmate, Fiona Apple. I feel like I grew up with her. She was a couple years, she's a couple years older than me, but every album that she's put out has been dealing with things that I needed to deal with at the time that her albums came out. So I've always felt very connected to her via her music. I think she's the best lyricist of all time also. And then... We come to my other soulmate, which is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She is, I have always really related to her. Um, she is, I think, two years older. Yeah, I think her graduation from high school on the show was 1999, and I graduated in 2001. So she's a little bit older than me, but when I was watching Buffy and I didn't actually get into Buffy until the third season and um, way too much information alert TMI alert I watched all of season three I think as it was airing and caught up with reruns and stuff so I think I was pretty caught up and had seen the whole first three seasons and then Buffy changed networks and I didn't get the channel that Buffy was on anymore. So I missed all of season four and all of season five, which was really disconcerting because, um, and then it switched networks again to a network that I had UPN. I think we, yeah, we had it at the time, um, for the last two seasons, six and seven. So as it was airing, I watched three, six and seven and then caught reruns in the meantime to get caught up eventually by the time I watched the end of it. And um, season six, especially, 
Um, when it was airing, it was like 2001, 2002, I think. And it was, it is the darkest season of Buffy. Um, and it was exactly what I needed at that time. I needed that. Um, it helped me gather the strength to leave an abusive boyfriend. Just watching, because that season deals a lot with um, alienation and emotional turmoil and depression and addiction. And it deals with all kinds of really dark, angsty stuff that I was going through at the time and I needed that to see it on screen. I needed to see it in a metaphorical way, which is what Buffy the Vampire Slayer is. Um, the whole premise of the show is about taking regular growing up life experiences and m turning them into metaphors. Metaphors being like horror themes, um, you know, I'm trying to think like, how do I explain Buffy the Vampire Slayer? But it's basically explained right there in the title. Buffy is a funny name. <laughs> the Vampire Slayer, saying Buffy the Vampire Slayer is telling you right there that you're going to get comedy, you're going to get horror, and you're going to get action. Um, and that's what this show is. Um, I'll explain the main characters. I guess I'll just explain the main four characters to you right now. These are the four characters that are in if not all, almost every single episode from the beginning of the series to the end of the series. And that is Buffy, of course. She is the chosen one, the vampire slayer. Through some mystical whatever, she was chosen to fight the demons and the darkness and all that shit. Then there's her two best friends, which she's about to meet in this first episode that we're about to watch, Xander and Willow. Xander is just your typical nerdy, awkward class clown type white dude. Willow is um, your typical super academic, nerdy, not self-assured, but really sweet um, best friend type character. And Willow and Xander have been best friends since like childhood when Buffy meets them. She's about to meet them. Um, her timeline, she is sophomore year of high school is this first year of the show. Um, uh, and then Giles is character number four, most important, um, th of the top four, um, not most important, like he's the most important, but he is a big deal. He is Buffy's watcher. He is, um, every slayer has a watcher, someone who trains her, um, and like, is sort of a mentor, but also sort of a creepy authority figure. But um, Giles is, a, is an excellent human and you don't ever have to worry. Spoiler alert, you don't ever have to worry that Giles is going to go bad or that, you know, there's going to be any creepiness between Giles and Buffy. There's no creepy at all whatsoever, not even subtext of creepy. He is a genuine father figure of the utmost respect for Buffy and he is a good dude and he's like a surrogate father figure for myself. Um, I love him a lot, but I also think he's sexy. So that's kind of creepy too. But anyway, so um, that's the top four characters. I'm going to read you. I don't know exactly how I'm going to structure this. I'm just going to feel around the first few weeks and see how we're going to do it. I have a book that I'm using as an episode guide. It is called Bite Me. The Chosen Edition, Seven Seasons, One Book, The Unofficial Guide. It's written by Nikki Strafford. 
So her, I'm going to read her summary of the ep- the first episode, and then I'm going to watch it and take notes and come back and tell you what happened, what I thought, all that fun stuff. Um, okay, so here's the summary. After being kicked out of her previous school for burning down the gym, which happened in the movie, if you if you really want to go old school, watch the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is campy goodness. Oh, uh, okay. After being kicked out of her previous school for burning down the gym, Buffy Summers arrives in Sunnydale, only to discover that the high school is built on a hellmouth, and she must resume her duties as a vampire slayer. So at the beginning of this episode, she's sort of like, she's disillusioned with being a slayer. She doesn't want to get back into it. She's just moving to a new town. She wants to start over and just ignore her duties. But she can't. She's sort of been called to this town, Sunnydale, California, which is a fictional town. She's sort of been called to this town because, and her mom just decided to move there, but there's probably some mystical reason for it as well. Um, And she's being assigned a new watcher because her watcher in the movie, her watcher died. Um, So she's being assigned a new watcher. So this is her first episode meeting Giles, meeting Willow, meeting Xander, and her first day at this new high school, Sunnydale High. So that's the first episode just sort of deals with all that, um, laying the groundwork of these characters, of course, like a good pilot should. And um, yeah, it's called Welcome to the Hellmouth. So I'm going to go ahead and pause this now and actually watch the episode. I'm watching it on Hulu because it will have commercial breaks. So I'll probably come on and talk during those commercial breaks and let you know what just happened and what my thoughts are and stuff like that. So I'm thinking that'll be good to give myself you know, a time limit. I'll have only through the commercials to talk to you about what the fuck's going on. So here I go. Okay. So the first commercial break happened after the first opening sequence. So there's probably going to be too many commercials and I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm going to have to move to like actually watching my DVDs. But anyway, the opening scene sort of outlines Joss Whedon, the creator of Buffy, his mission statement for the whole show, which is, as he said before in interviews, nothing is as it seems. So it opens on um, a kid that used to go to the high school, breaking a window, breaking in with a young woman. Um, and he's like, you know, trying to get her to like make out in the high school, I guess. And she's acting really reluctant and like squeamish and she's wearing like a schoolgirl outfit and blah, blah, blah. And you think that she's just really scared that they're going to get in trouble and get caught and shit like that. Um, but then all of a sudden she turns into a vampire, which in Buffy, the vampires have like really bumpy foreheads and they're crazy big gnarly teeth and they're just really ugly like they're not cute when they're in vamp mode when they're in vamp face so she turns around she turns into the vampire and she sucks on his neck and that's the end of the opening sequence um so it's supposed to get you ready for this world that things are not as they seem the you know tiny little blonde girls are going to be the ones that kick ass (laughs) not like real life um anyway okay so it's going back now so Okay, so commercial number two, um, we have now seen she has met Xander, she has met Giles, and um, she was having a premonition dream when you first see her. She is, right before she wakes up in the morning for her first day at the new school, she's having like a scary dream about a premonition about um, the big bad that she's going to face this particular season, who is called the Master, but we don't know that yet. Um, I have to talk about the fashion a lot 
in this first season, I will be talking about the fashion a lot because it is an era that I remember very clearly, 1997, late 90s. I was also in high school at this time, um, or I guess I would have been like in eighth grade when this show, or when this, um, eighth or ninth grade, whenever this premiered, but, um, sometimes it's really odd. Sometimes they, um, put Buffy in like, really maternal strange outfits but there's a lot of short skirts there's a lot of knee boots there's this ring if you watch this first episode these first few episodes in the first season she has a bunch of different rings that are like these big globe rings that are in different colors and in this first episode it's um in purple and it's the most gorgeous ring I've ever seen in my life it's like acrylic it's like a big round Ugh, if anybody ever knows where to find that um let me know all right, commercial break number three. I think I'm going to start a segment, best outfit of the show. Um, Cordelia definitely wins this time. Um, so Buffy meets Cordelia sometime in this. Cordelia is kind of the like popular girl antagonist character. At first, that's all she is. But later, she becomes a much more nuanced character. She's in um, the first three season of, seasons of Buffy, and she's in all the seasons of Angel, which is an offshoot of Buffy. Anyway, so her outfit's the best because she's wearing these awesome green corduroy pants and, or maybe they're velvet. I don't know. There's it's some kind of awesome texture of, of green pants and this, um, like tank, black tank top with a black long sleeved sheer, um, shirt over it with like these diagonal stripes. Amazing. Awesome outfit. I'd wear it tomorrow if I had it. So she wins best outfit. Um, something that I just noticed, and I don't know if this has any significance at all whatsoever, but Xander, Giles, and Willow, all the very first things they said to her, to Buffy, were a question. First, the first person she met was Xander, and he bumped into her in the hallway, and he said, can I have you? I mean, can I help you? And then when she met Giles, the first thing he said to her was, um, can I help you? And then when she met Willow, the first thing she said to her was, why? I mean, hi, <laughs> because Buffy came up and like asked if she could sit next to Willow. And Willow was confused because why would this popular person that was talking to Cordelia earlier um, want to talk to Willow, who's like wearing a plaid dress and she's a total nerd. Um, but she totally gets on with um, Xander and Willow just right from the beginning and um, Cordelia comes up. Cordelia was very nice to Buffy, but she made fun of Willow right in front of Buffy during their first conversation together. And so Buffy is already like, yeah, I don't think I want to hang out with Cordelia. So she, Buffy, even though she looks like a popular girl, she w identifies more with outsiders. So she immediately gravitates towards Willow and Xander, which I think is cool. Um, what else? Um, but Buffy is a very dark show and I don't just mean that thematically. It's actually, it's shot very dark. It's kind of hard to watch it in the daylight, to be honest. I really should like close all my curtains before I watch Buffy next time. Um, it's, I really like that. I think it's a daring choice. I think it helps. I think part of the reason that they did that, they shot it so dark was because, um, it helps disguise the fact that it turned, it started out a really low budget show and a low budget show in the late nineties. I mean, it can look really cheesy sometimes, even 
with the smart way that they shot it. Um, but I really like that choice and that choice carries throughout the whole series. Um, the last season of Buffy season seven is bright, but I think they did that on purpose for thematic reasons because they were trying to bring you out of the extreme darkness of season seven and show you that Buffy has a hopeful future after the series ends. Um, so that was a choice as well, but I really like that they chose to shoot it dark for the most part, because it makes all the beautiful people that are in the show look even more beautiful somehow, you know, because it's dark and mysterious. You don't even really get to see them that well. (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing to think about, but, um, so it's kind of strange. I've never really thought about this before. When she meets Giles, Giles is, um, he's not only her watcher, but he is, the lib- the school's sc- the school librarian and oh my god the library seeing the library again for the first time always gives me chills you know at the beginning of this show because it's it's such it's one of the most common set pieces during the high school years the first th- first three seasons of Buffy and it's such a great library it's like it's dark there's books everywhere there's it's it looks like an old school library you know there's wood and there's this awesome little round table that's at the bottom of this little these little staircase that goes up to like a half level with with a bunch of stacks in the back oh it just looks like i wish that was my library you know um dark little cozy book corners and stuff it just makes me happy to see the library again for the first time so and that's something that if any of y'all are harry potter fans and you've never watched buffy before giles and the library is a good a good entrance into the buffy world i think um from harry potter because any like ravenclaw types that are really into the academia of um, Harry Potter and stuff like that um, are going to like Giles, are going to like all the time they spend in the library because every time there's some kind of evil afoot in Buffy, they have to go to the library and research. There's always like, they're always like sitting at tables with stacks of books around them researching and it's just, it's a little nerdgasm moment every time. And Giles is always the one that is that has to do like the exposition of things. And I love exposition scenes. <laughs> it's like, ah, story time. <laughs> I just like to sit there and cozy up with a cup of tea and listen to Giles explain some demon to me. So I'm excited to rewatch the high school years um, for that reason, because there's a lot of hanging out in the library and I love that. Um, but the thing that I found interesting was Giles identifies himself like recognizes that Buffy is the slayer. He knows who she is. He he moved there because he knew that she was moving there and he was assigned as her watcher. But it's kind of interesting. I never thought about it before. He he identifies himself to her as a watcher, but he does not say, "Hi, I'm Giles. I'm your new watcher." You know, he doesn't like overtly say that. It's like he's letting her ease into it. Um and she sort of told him she confronts him because there's a, a the dead kid that was killed at the very beginning of the episode. She confronts Giles like, hey, I was supposed to be coming to this small town, like living a regular girl life. I was going to start over. I'm not interested in the Slayer shit anymore. She's sort of venting to him and he's telling her that this 
town is a place of mystical convergence and they're on a hell mouth and things are getting crazy and something's coming in the next few days there's portents and blah 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 and she's like I don't want this and she says something or he says something about being a watcher and how he's there to prepare her he and guide her and and she's like prepare me for what for spending all of my time saving the world from shit and not getting to be a regular girl, I really like the way they deal with her superpowerness. This is why she is my favorite superhero. Because she is constantly wanting to just be a regular human. She would love to just be a regular human, but she cannot ignore her duties to save the world. And I like that sort of tortured hero mentality thing. I like that they deal with that. I don't like it whenever superheroes just like are just heroic for no reason. You know, she is heroic because she has a mystical convergence. She has, you know, a magical, there's a magical reason for why she's heroic and she's not just doing it selflessly. She's doing it because she knows that she has a responsibility because of the extra power that's imbued upon her. And that she's the only one that has this extra power imbued upon her. She is as strong as the demons that she fights. So that, and but other regular humans aren't. But she just wishes she could be a regular human. You know, she'd rather just like go to school and go to prom. And like dealing with like reconciling this extra powerness that has been bestowed upon her. At this point in her life being a sophomore, I think she was called like one or two years before that. So she hasn't been a slayer for very long. So she's still dealing with it. Like she thought that she could just leave it behind when she moved, but she can't. And she's realizing that at this point during the episode. Um, we're about two thirds of the way through this first episode. Okay, another commercial break. Um, so we're introduced to Angel, who is um, a big character in the future. I guess I won't spoil who he is. He doesn't say his name yet, though, um, when Buffy asks. She notices that someone's following her, and she sort of confronts him. And she asks who he is, and he says, a friend. And she says, well, I, maybe I don't want a friend. And he said, he says, I didn't say I was yours. And then walks off. He's all mysterious. I used to like totally not get the appeal of Angel, but the older I get and the more times I watch Buffy, I I like him more. I still don't like them as a as an item, so I guess that's a spoiler because they are an item for a while. But um, I I like him as I guess it's more the actor David Boreanaz. He just seems like a really nice dude, so um, I like him more now. I forgot they used to dress him kind of goth. Like, he's wearing a black velvet jacket in this, um, so that's kind of, kind of cute. Um, they go to the Bronze, which is, like, the nightclub of Sunnydale, which is one of my favorite places in the world. I wish it was real. I wish the library in Sunnydale was real, and I wish the Bronze was real. It is amazing, and I love it. Um... Buffy is also sporting some super light blue, like almost white nail polish. I love that. Um, we're being introduced to the master who is the big vampire. He's like a Nosferatu type vampire. Um, who is the big bad of this first season. Um, so we're being introduced to him at the moment. And the commercial break's over, so... 
Okay, so the first episode just finished, so we're moving on to The Harvest. Um, I will say that everyone already knows her secret identity, because she's supposed to keep the fact that she's a slayer a secret. She's supposed to fight all of these demons and vampires and all this shit in secret. But Xander overheard a slayer-watcher conversation that her and Giles were having, Um, so he knows that she's a slayer. Um, and then Angel knows whenever he sees her, he was following her. He knows what she is. He gave her a gift, which was a cross necklace inside of a box. Very weird, right? He wouldn't even tell her his name, but he gave her a cross necklace. (laughs) Which, in this particular, um, story, a lot of the old school vampire rules are true. Like, holy water hurts them, crosses hurt them. Um, but there's not... I mean, there's some religious themes, but they're not overt in Buffy. Um, They're not, I mean, they never, like, subscribe to God or anything like that, but stuff like a cross still hurts a vampire. So, kind of interesting the way they employ religious imagery without making it overt or it's not really a part of the series. It's just, it's a background thing. Um, Respecting symbols that humanity has decided are important, essentially. Um, So her secret identity is already out. And the thing about Buffy is that she subverts all the things that, you know, she subverts her calling. She is going to be a slayer, but she is going to do it her way. And that's why she's different. And she does not choose to fight all these forces of darkness on her own. She fights with her friends which is what makes her stronger than other slayers and she ends up having a much longer life than other slayers um, because she does not follow the rules she's like what why do I have to do this so anyway um, we're ready to start episode two called the harvest the harvest is this sort of mystical convergence event situation that is about to happen which has to do with the master vampire and all this blood-sucking bullshit but you know you know i don't care about plot that much let's see the harvest the um description of the episode in my bite me book is when giles discovers that the master is about to be set free through his vessel luke buffy must try to stop the harvest before it begins so basically the master is stuck underground somewhere because of somebody Somebody with magical powers banished him there like a long time ago or something like that. And he is stuck down there until he, he's, for some reason, this particular time he can like send a surrogate to go suck a ton of blood for him to give him the strength to break out of his magical prison underground or whatever. (laughs) Who cares, you know? Like, the plot is not that important. Um, I want to address, like, a lot of even fans of Buffy. A lot of people say that season one is their least favorite because of how campy it is. I am not one of those people. I do understand that a lot of people, if they were going to be watching these first two episodes, they might think, I don't know, this show is too fucking cheesy for me. I would say... Give Buffy a chance. Watch these first two episodes. If you, after these first two episodes, where the world has been, the rules of the Buffy world have been set for you, and you know, you know what's going on, you think to yourself, this is really cheesy. I don't know if I like it. 
skip to season two. Just go ahead and do that. You can always go back. The first season is only 12 episodes long. So if you watch the first two, you only have 10 left. And there are some, some really cheesy fucking episodes in season one. I'll give you that. I embrace the cheese. I like campy things. But if you think to yourself, I don't want to continue watching this because it's too fucking cheesy. Skip to season two. Just go immediately to season... Or actually, what would be the best idea is skip to the last episode of season one. Because you'll see, you know, all the stuff that's set up at the beginning of the season. You'll see all of those um, plot points pay off at the very end of the season. And then you can move on with Buffy from there on. And it's really... Season two is a great season. Season three is even better. Season four is a little uneven. Um, But for the most part, the show is consistently good with just a few bad apples here and there. And most people agree that most of the bad apples are in the first season. There's some super cheesy plot lines coming up. But I'm excited to go on that journey. And I love season one. But all I'm saying is if you want to start this journey with me and watch Buffy for the first time, you've never watched it before, watch the first two episodes of season one and then skip to the last one if you want. Or just, you know, let me review it for you and wait until you're ready to jump back in. You know, it's entertainment. You can watch it however you want. You can watch the last season first if you want to. I mean, watch it backwards. Who the fuck cares? Do entertainment how you want to do entertainment. You know, no rules. Okay. So now we're ready to start the second episode. Um, I think I talked about everything I wrote down. Yeah, okay. Let's go. Season 2 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Or Season 1, Episode 2. Sorry. The Harvest. So at this point, all of her new friends, Xander, Willow, um, and this Jesse guy who was in the first episode. Spoiler alert! He's about to die! and be turned into a vampire, um, have all been put in danger, and that's why, um, that's how they all know, that's how she was called to, even though she's trying to quit being a slayer and start over, she is compelled to save her new friends from vampires, you know. So she's just realizing, she's coming to terms with the fact that she can't avoid this calling. Um, to Giles's credit, even though she is saying that she's quitting being a slayer and he's trying to convince her that she can't ignore her calling, he is, you know, he's trying to convince her in a sort of adult-to-adult way. He's sort of giving her arguments to help her come to the decision that she should not ignore her calling. He's not telling her, he's not, like, outright telling her that she cannot ignore. Um, And I think that's kind of cool. Ooh, exposition scene coming up! Okay, so um, Giles does a big, like, exposition scene where he sort of explains how this universe, this fantasy universe, has begun. Um, And he explains it just readily in front of Xander and Willow. So he is immediately sort of subverting his role as a watcher because he is fine with the fact that they know about her secret identity and they're going to help her. And so they have their first, what will later affectionately be called a Scooby meeting where they're gathered around in the library doing research, trying to figure out what this harvest thing is and how they can fight it. Um, and it's really funny. He does like a dig against Christianity right in the beginning. Um, contrary to popular mythology, the world did not start as a paradise. 
I love that. Um, it sort of explains, you know, Buffy rules and shit. Um, it is established that Willow is a computer nerd and she does her first hacking job by accessing the city's plan so they can figure out the tunnel system. Um, and at first Buffy does not want to let Xander's very anxious to go help because they want to rescue their friend Jesse, who, um, the vampires have taken hostage and Buffy at first is very adamant that he not help her because she's the slayer and she's the only one that can do this whole thing. And commercial's over. Um, Angel sees Buffy right before she starts going down into the tunnels to try to find where Jesse's being kept and these other vampires. Um, and I just realized, never thought about this before, that Angel, in the beginning, he sort of serves as a guardian angel to Buffy. He, like, shows up, gives her some information, then sort of disappears. And I always thought it was sort of weird that he didn't help her this very first time, but Angel's a badass, and I think it was a... Joss was probably trying to make a point by sending her in alone and not immediately making it look like she needs this guy's help in order to do her job. Um, so I think that was a smart choice, actually. Um, so anyway. Okay, so Xander... Um, follows her into the tunnels, even though she told him to stay home. And she's, he's like, dude, I had to help. Jesse's my bud. <laughs> you remember back in the 90s when people called each other their buds? Um, so he has to help. He is compelled. He is called. And that's one thing that this show definitely does most of the time. Like when a person is makes a choice... There's a lot of agency in characters in Buffy. You know, they decide their own fate. They decide the way that they're going to handle different situations. And he has to help, even though she told him not to. And she eventually is like, okay, well, you're obviously going to do this. So come on. So they go into the tunnels. They find Jesse. But it turns out Jesse has been turned into a vampire. So he's a lost cause. So now it's a commercial break right after you find out that Jesse's a vampire. Um, that's basically all that's happened. Willow's doing research on the internet, trying to figure out how to fight this harvest situation. Giles is doing research back at the library. He found out that the harvest is going to happen tonight. Um, the first crescent moon after the solstice. So, um, the events are all converging and the vampires are, they're kind of cornered in this underground area they're sort of cornered with jesse and a bunch of the vampires are following them so turmoil is happening right now okay so um another exposition scene in the library around the table best place for exposition scenes ever giles tells them that his research has unveiled all of the details of this harvest situation which is happening tonight and um that they that Sunnydale exists on a hell mouth. Um, Boca del Infierno. <laughs> um, and he just explains the concept of a hell mouth being sort of a portal between hell and earth and blah, blah, blah. Later you'll find out that the hell mouth, where it opens, is right there around that table. That's where the hell mouth is, right under the library. And I think that's cool because the series... Um, regularly makes the point that Buffy is 
she is a Gryffindor for sure, but she's skating, skirting the edge of evil. Her power is drawn from evil. They're always right next to it. Like, even though they're the good guys, evil is right there all the time. I, I don't know how to articulate that better, but uh, hopefully you know what I'm saying. At one point, her mom tells her she can't leave whenever she needs to go, like, the world is going to end if she doesn't prevent this harvest situation from happening. So um, her mom tells her she can't go out and she says, I know if you don't go, it'll be the end of the world. Everything is life or death for a 16 year old girl, which sort of reinforces the whole metaphor of like high school is hell, which Joss Whedon has said many times. And that was the original premise of the show that nothing is as it seems. High school is hell. All these metaphors are, ways to deal with regular things that you go through in adolescence, basically. Um, anyway, commercial's over. Okay, we're officially, I have finished the harvest. So Buffy obviously kills the vessel dude and awesome, awesome. Um, Xander accidentally kills Jesse. Like he is having a hard time grappling with it. He has the stake at his throat and Jesse's in the middle of telling him that he doesn't have the guts when somebody running by bumps into Jesse and, like, knocks him into Xander's stake. So he didn't actually kill his first vampire. I mean, he did, but not really. Um, and Willow saves Giles from Darla, who is a vampire that we will get to know more thoroughly in later episodes. Um, she's about to feed on Giles when um, Willow pours holy water in Darla's face and she runs away screaming. I think that was supposed to be the end of that character, but they decided they liked her, so they kept her around and, like, wrote a plot for her and decided that she didn't die at that moment. <laughs> um, not sure what else I want to say about... Um, best outfit of the episode. Um, I will I will give an honorable mention to Harmony, who is a character that we will know throughout the entire series of Buffy, or throughout the first three seasons of Buffy, and then she goes on to be on Angel, and she's still a part of the comics today. Um, so she's a, sort of a, not really a pivotal character, but she is a continuous side character, I guess. Um, so there's the first sighting of Harmony in the second episode. She is... Um, one of Cordelia's, like, followers. Cordelia is one of those type of popular people where people just follow her around while she talks and dictates everything. Um, so she's one of those. Her outfit was a, like, baby doll shirt. Do you remember that back in the 90s, little baby doll shirts? That had a unicorn on it. And later you will find out that Harmony is absolutely obsessed with unicorns and collects unicorn figures and all that shit. And Harmony is just a delight. She's always a delight. Um... But I think the actual outfit of the episode goes to Xander, who at the beginning of the episode, like the whole first two thirds of the episode, he's wearing, do you remember back in the 90s when there was a lot of clothes that were inspired by the 70s? He was wearing a shirt that only the 90s interpretation of the 70s could produce. It was like, you know, one of those pointy collared, like, Probably like made out of like a spandexy type material. I think it was slightly shiny button up shirt that had an all over pattern of mushrooms on it. It was amazing. And I think he was wearing like really dark, um, 
green corduroys. They almost look black, but I think they were green. Um, and like one of those chains, do you remember back in the nineties when dudes wore those like chains that almost went to their knees that like were attached to their wallets in their back pocket? He had one of those chains and he was wearing like vans, like, you know, skateboarding shoes. So he gets best outfit. Um, the harvest is not as pivotal of an episode as, Welcome to Hellmouth, although I think it is, I mean, they did debut on the same night. That's why I watched both of them tonight. It was the introduction to this show, and I do think that both episodes are important to introducing you to the Buffy universe. But um, it was more an episode, it was more like a typical season one episode of Buffy. It wasn't quite as exciting as the first episode, I would say. But there's a lot of exposition and they are sort of getting into the settling into the dynamics of the main four characters. They're sort of settling into their roles and it's cool. Um Willow sort of her her first big skill is being computer hackery. She can get on the net, as they called it back then. Um, and hack into things and stuff like that. And Xander's just sort of strange and you don't really know what he's good at yet. And he's not really good at much of anything except for being, um, brave, even though he doesn't really have any particular skills. He just is a brave, hapless Gryffindor type. (laughs) Um, so that's the first two episodes of Buffy. Um, I'm trying to think, do I have any music? I do want to play music from the episodes on the nights that I do them. But let me see if there's anything that was even of note that I could find for this for these two episodes. Pretty much everything in these first two episodes are done by a band called Sprung Monkey. And I don't really like them very much. Then at the end of The Harvest, there are two different songs played by a band called Dashboard Prophets. I kind of like one of those songs, so that's the one I'm going to play. So um, if you're listening to the radio show tonight, um, you're going to hear a song from the second episode of Buffy called Ballad for Dead Friends. Um, and that's it. That's I don't know how else to end this. Um, I guess I need to give a rating, right? Should I do that? Should I give ratings? Um... Let's see. Out of five, I would say that Welcome to Hellmouth and The Harvest, taken together as a whole, um, since they're basically a part one and part two, and they should be taken as a whole since they were shown on the same night, March 10th of 1997. I would say comparing, okay, my ratings, I'm going to be comparing each episode of Buffy against other episodes of Buffy, basically. Like, the best that Buffy has to offer, in my opinion, my favorite episode of all time is called Restless. That's not till season four. So I guess I'm going to be comparing everything against Restless, which would be a perfect five if we're going of a rating scale of five, which why not? Because five by five, right? So, um, if Restless is a five, I would say Welcome to Hellmouth slash The Harvest is a solid four. Could have had better music. There are some things here and there, like Wardrobe could have been a little bit better. Um, uh, I'll give it a 4.5 because these are important episodes. They are essential to, like, if I was going to tell someone... 
to watch like only 15 episodes of Buffy ever. I mean, this would have to be on there because you need it for all the exposition and the, you know, explanation of the world rules and all that shit needs to happen. You have to watch. Welcome to the Hellmouth slash The Harvest. You have to. If you're going to watch Buffy, you got to. So I would say it's a solid 4.5. So that's it for the Buffy recap this week. I will be back next week. We're going to watch The Witch, which is the third episode. So I will see you then. Here is The Dashboard Prophets with Ballad for Dead Friends. Hey kids. So I've been listening to a lot of Vaporwave lately. And um, I've played some for you guys before. It's, it's a hard genre to describe, um, it's basically, it's ambient, but it usually employs samples of, like, advertisements from the 80s and other strange sounds like that. So it's very, it's very trippy, but it's also very calming. Like, it, for me, feels like a dreamlike trippiness as opposed to, like, a drug-like trippiness. Although that distinction is a fine line that not everyone would agree that it's not a drug-like trippiness. But it's a distinction that I like to make because in my mind, like Michael was asking me, he was like, okay, so you like this. Because I was listening to Vaporwave. He's like, so you like this, but you don't like... Revolution number nine by the Beatles. And I'm like, yeah, because that revolution number nine fucking hate that shit. I hate that kind of shit because it's, it's trippy. Yes. So there's, there's an overlap there in the Venn diagram of vaporwave versus like psychedelic rock or whatever. There's, you know, the trippiness is, is in the middle. Yes. That is something they have in common, but the thing that I don't like about drug-like, in my mind, drug-like, trippy music, music that's made for that purpose, it's usually annoying because it's repetitive and it has um, sounds in it that I don't like. And sometimes Vaporwave can be like that. Not all Vaporwave is as calming as what I'm about to play you. Um, some of it can get repetitive and ridiculous. Like there's this one vaporwave song that plays on a lot of my different like stations and shit where there's like this certain advertisement for like a beach resort or something that comes on and it's just different people saying that same exact phrase over and over throughout the song. I'm not into that. Like, you know, if you're going to do a weirdo thing with a little sound bite you got to get off of it quickly, okay? You can't just, like, stay on the same sound by repeating it over and over and over. You got to move on. Um, anyway, I'm not good at describing it, but to me, it's a very dreamlike, ambient music. It, it reminds me most of that experience when, and I think that was, this is the intention, even. Like, as a kid, you're watching TV in the middle of the night, and you're falling asleep and it's before you realize that you're falling asleep and turn the TV off and go to bed. But it's just when you're sort of in that halfway dream stage where you can still hear everything, but it's distorted. And I think that's what Vaporwave is trying to accomplish. And the best Vaporwave does that. And I like that 
that feeling, that feeling of being in a half dream state, that in-between feeling. So I've been listening to Vaporwave almost constantly lately. I've just been turning on Vaporwave, like, and it almost doesn't even matter, like, what the artists are. I just listen to artists that, like, create, like, create a Pandora station based on, on Mesh, which is, um, a Vaporwave artist, and it's just good. I just like most of it, and it's making me happy. Um, it was almost going to be my choice for what I listened to during my root canal. However, I decided that it was a little too exciting. I wanted something even more ambient for when I was going to the root canal because I didn't want it to be something, I don't know. I just wanted it to be a calming background noise. And sometimes vaporwave isn't that because you run into some stuff that you don't like and you have to skip it. And I didn't want to like have that feeling during a root canal that I need to skip a song or whatever. So, um, anyway, so I just want to play you guys a little bit of vaporwave right now. Just put you in a dreamlike state. See if you like it. Okay, sure. Let's do it. Hey kids, it's time for the album of the night. We're celebrating the tomorrow marks the 20 year anniversary of morphine's like swimming. I may not play all of it. I may cut a couple of tracks out. But um, I do really like this album. As I said earlier tonight, um, it's sort of sort of a jaunty, sad, jazzy alternative sound. Um, I can't really think of who to compare morphine to. They were just they were just morphine. They were themselves. They were alternative. They were sort of dark, um, but they had some saxophone and some jauntiness and. But they're not really swing. They're not really alternative. They sort of are, but I don't know. They're just kind of good. So playing them tonight, happy 20 years to Morphine's Like Swimming. Um, so that marks the end of the radio show slash podcast tonight. Um, if you'd like to communicate with me in some way, mixtressradio at gmail.com. Or um, just go to mixtressray.com, and from there you'll find my blog and links to my YouTube channel, which is under Mixtress Ray, and links to all the other things on the internet. Um, yeah, awesome. I'm putting the show together like very last minute today, so that's why I might sound anxious right now because it's an hour before the show starts at this moment, and I still need to like put it all together and eat some dinner and. <laughs> Anyway, usually I'm much more relaxed and I do all this shit like 48 hours earlier, but not this week. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great week. Be back next week with the third episode of Buffy and other shenanigans of the usual kind. So I'll see you then. Bye!